All right. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you so much for who you are and how you love us. Lord God, I pray that as we, as we jump into your word this morning, Lord, we're talking about no other gospel, no other good news than the one that you gave us, the one that you provided. Lord, I pray that as we dig in, that you would be honored and glorified in and through us. I pray, Lord, that you would uh, give us the wisdom to see your word clearly, to love it and to live it. For your name's sake, Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, so this morning, we're going to be talking about no other gospel. If you have your Bibles with you, please open up to Galatians chapter 1. Uh, we're going to be looking at verses 6 through 10. Galatians 1, 6 through 10. So, this weekend... I, I, I guess I just felt like I had a little bit of a burst of energy to do stuff. So I was, I installed light fixtures, right? And so we changed out some of the lighting fixtures in the house, which was really cool. And, and I've gotten, I've gotten kind of good at it over the years, right? Like, I think, and it wasn't like somebody taught me. I think it was one of those things where I did it the wrong way so many times, that I finally figured out the right way. I remember one time Lucinda had me installing a ceiling fan, and I had to uninstall that ceiling fan three times. Because who needs directions, right? I mean, you know, I mean, that's, that's just packing in the box, you know? So I had, I had put the ceiling fan up, but I had, I had skipped a step or two or three and then I'd, I figured out the step I had skipped, so I went back and did it. And, and then I realized, oh, I'd also skipped this step. But it was always too late, and so it was awful. Now, eventually I got it to work, and everything was good. But I was reminded of that as I was putting up these fixtures yesterday. Because you, you, know, you don't think about it. You, you're up there on the ladder, and you're up here like this. And you're doing these little fine motor skills, like, like twisting this little nut or something off. And... And your shoulders, like after a couple minutes, your shoulders are burning. You know, you want to see how big of a beast you are? Change a lighting fixture. <laughs> um, so we got up there, and, and so I'm, I'm getting these lighting fixtures changed, and I'm reminded that, that when it comes to electrical, right, there aren't multiple ways to do this. There aren't multiple paths to make it work. There's one way to install that light fixture. So you don't like the white wire and the black wire. You want to install a rainbow wire. It's not going to work, and it may burn your house down. Right? So you, you think, hey, it needs to be more colorful. I'm going to put a camo wire in there. Right? Not going to work. You think, well, I don't think I should attach the black to the black wire. I, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to attach the black to the white wire. I'm not sure what would happen, but I'm sure it won't work. Here's my point. We go round and round and round about trying to do things our own way, what works for us, what makes us feel good, and in reality, we have very real written instructions on what it takes to get to heaven, what is eternal life, what is the good news of Jesus Christ, and no matter how you do it, no matter how you deviate from this, there is nothing that you can do apart from this to get to heaven. 
No matter how you do it, you can do it your own way over and over again. You can write really cool songs and meet with other people who think the way that you think. And, and you can come up with really cool acronyms for clubs that, that do it differently than this. But let me tell you, in the end, this is all that's going to work. When you flip that switch, the light is not going to come on if you don't do it the right way. When your switch gets flipped... There's only one way to know that you're going to be where you want to be. And that's through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so this morning, we're going to talk about legalism and how legalism sets the stage for this letter. But then as we apply these principles to modern day issues, you're going to see it so much clearer, not just in legalism, but it applies to so many other areas. So Starting in verse 6, I am amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, a curse be on him. As we have said before, I now say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, a curse be on him. For, I am, now for am I now trying to persuade people or God? Or am I striving to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Wow, what, what great polarization we see here, right? There's the, the themes that are at play, right? There's the true gospel and there's everything else. There's pleasing God and then there's pleasing people, right? And so th these are at polar opposite ends. All, both of these, are on, and they're on the same sides, right? There's the true gospel. There's pleasing Christ. And so living for the gospel and living for Christ is all the same thing. But there's living for anything else and there's pleasing people. And those come together as well. So we're going to see that as we walk through this together. <coughs> Point one, no other gospel, grace or nothing. Starting in verse six, I am amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Let me say this, in all the other epistles, in all the other epistles, this section of the letter, Paul is being so sweet and kind. Go back and read Philippians or Colossians or Ephesians. He gets through the greeting and he says, it is with, it is with a warm heart that I remember you and all my prayers and I give thanks to, the, to God above for your partnership in the gospel. He goes into all of that in Philippians and these other letters. But in this one, he goes straight from, I'm an apostle called by God. What are you doing? Get your act together, you know? He goes right into it. He doesn't pull any punches. I love it. Um, I am amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel. It's grace or nothing. So when we talk about legalism, it's this idea of trying to earn your sense, your way to heaven. There's two responses. There's two responses to God's grace. How many, is there anybody in here who would say, I feel good enough? I'm good enough for heaven. I deserve grace, right? So glad no one raised their hand. Because um, we're not. 
And so we have two responses. We have two responses to this. And, and they're, they're not easy to grasp. They're, they're, they, we have to wrestle with these, right? One is we add a bunch of stuff to it, right? You have to, you have to pray these prayers. You have to be baptized to be saved. That's a lie. You have to make penance for your sins. You have, to, you have to do these things to earn your forgiveness. That's a lie. There's this idea that we have to earn God's grace because we all realize that we're not good enough and we have to do things to earn grace. The problem is our righteousness is as filthy rags. There is nothing that we can do to earn God's grace. So we can have as as people who love Jesus, as people who believe the good news of Jesus Christ, there are two responses that we can have to grace. One is to try to add to God's grace. And when you think about it logically, it is the most ridiculous idea. What in the world could you or I possibly add to Jesus on the cross? What could you or I possibly do that would add to what Jesus did for us on the cross. So do you really think, do you really think that your salvation is contingent upon you doing these things? Or is it what he did for you? So two responses. The first response is legalism. And that sense of legalism is, is where we add things to the gospel. Well, let me say three responses. Now that I think about it, three responses. Legalism, we add to the gospel. You have to do these different things. You have to respond this way. You have, to, you, have to, you have to get saved. You have to repent of your sins. You have to give your life to Jesus Christ. You have to get saved. Start that relationship with him. And then you have to do all these other things to be saved. There are churches that say you have to speak in tongues to be saved. As evidence of your salvation. There are churches that say you have to be baptized to be saved. There are churches that say you're saved, but you can lose your salvation and you have to get saved all over again. I mean, and it's all wrong. That's not what God's word teaches. God's word teaches that you're saved not based on your ability, not based on your condition, not based on what you can do. You are saved completely, utterly, and totally based on what he did for you on the cross. We've got to get that. That is central to all of this. So the second response, the first response is legalism. The second response is liberalism. Where it doesn't really matter. God paid for your sins. But since it, sin really isn't a big deal. I know God's word says this, but we're going to twist it and shape it into a way that says, well, it's not really sin. We're going to try to justify sin in our own minds by ignoring scripture. That is a fool's errand. If you, if you morph, twist, mutilate scripture to make your lifestyle or what you're doing okay in the eyes of the world, in the eyes of other people, then you don't realize that you need grace. Sin is what tells us we need grace. If you don't think you've sinned, then you don't need to ask for grace. But if you have sinned, Regardless of what you think, regardless of what society says, regardless of what anybody else says, if it's sin, it's sin and it needs to be atoned for. It needs to be forgiven. It needs grace. 
regardless of what our world says. And the thing is, is you've got these extremes. You've got legalism and you've got liberalism. And both are wrong. So let me give you the third option, the right option. And if anyone disagrees with me, please feel free to come correct me after the service. It's simply abiding in God's grace. It's just saying, Paul says, your grace is sufficient. It's it, knowing that we can't earn it. It's, it's having that spirit of thankfulness. It's having that, that understanding that what Jesus did for us was out of an out, outflow, an outpouring of love for us. It's not something we can earn. It's not something that we deserve. It's simply because he loves us. So because of his grace, because of his love, we accept the forgiveness and the freedom that comes in Christ. We don't try to earn it and we don't try to, we don't try to minimize our mistakes that make it necessary. We just say thank you and we live a life of gratitude. And we live a life of serving and we live a life of grace that reflects his glory to those who don't know him. We've got legalism, we've got liberalism, and then we've got abiding in Christ. John 15, I am the vine, you are the branch. He who abides in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Abide in his grace, in his love. Realize that you're unworthy. Realize that you don't deserve it. But realize that he's that good. He's that gracious. He's that loving. He's that kind. And that's where we have to stay. That's like somebody giving you the coolest Christmas present in the world. And you turn around and hand them a $20 bill and say, I know this doesn't cover it. What a slap in the face. Legalism is a disease. Liberalism is a disease. And as Christians, we need to fight both. He says, again, I am I'm amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Whoo, different gospel distorting the gospel let me say this there are those there are those very popular people who say all paths lead to heaven god is like the top of a mountain and there are many paths to god just pick one and follow it buddhism hinduism christianity islam they all lead the same path mormonism catholicism Jehovah's Witness, they all lead up the same path. No, they don't. Aristotle said two ideas that are diametrically opposed cannot both be correct. It's a law. Now you can both be wrong, but you can't both be right. So here's my point, is when we look at these different belief systems, these different gospels, Mormonism has completely twisted the gospel. It's also a works gospel. It is also a works salvation that they propose. And the Jesus that they teach and they talk of is not the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus that they talk of is the brother of Satan. The Jesus that they talk of came from a foreign planet. The Jesus that they talk of makes no sense whatsoever and is not found in the Bible. 
Jehovah's Witnesses, the same thing. They don't believe in the Trinity. They don't believe in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They don't believe in the divinity of Jesus. They don't believe in a lot of other things. They twist and distort the gospel for their own purposes. There are false teachers. There are false ideologies. There are those who even call themselves Christian who teach the wrong thing. If you have a Joel Osteen book, it is kindling. Burn it. I mean, if I knew that it was going to get recycled for toilet paper, I'd be all for it. Here's my point. <laughs> if you can't tell, not a big Joel fan. Because here's what happens. At the center of the prosperity gospel, Joel Osteen is the key figurehead and represents the prosperity gospel. And what he teaches is, your salvation is about you, right? God's not concerned with your holiness, he's concerned with your happiness, God wants you to be happy, wealthy, healthy, whatever. Jesus drove a Rolls, right? Jesus was wearing Adidas sandals, and, and he, had, you know, he had a Gucci tunic. And, you know, I mean, like they just come up with junk, and you're just like, where do you get this? Here's my point. <laughs> Here's my point. The gospel is about the salvation of souls. It is about what Jesus did for us on the cross. It is about forgiveness and grace and redemption. It is not about health, wealth, and prosperity. Because if you just love God enough, you'll be healthy and wealthy, right? Tell that to our Chinese brothers and sisters who are getting their churches knocked down and are being thrown in prison. If they just had enough faith, right, they'd have, they'd have more money. If they just had enough faith, nobody would knock down their churches, right? It's junk. The Bible tells us we're going to be persecuted for the cause of Christ. So why does it shock us? Why does it surprise us? We've turned, we've taken the American dream and applied it to the gospel. We've made a fast food gospel. You just pull up to the drive through window and tell them what you want Jesus to look like and your order will be ready in three minutes. What we need to do is take our comfort, take our beliefs, take all of those things and weigh them against what the, God, what the Bible teaches. And if we hold to anything that differs in any way, shape, or form from what God's word teaches, we need to let it go. We need to be prepared to sacrifice and serve and suffer for the cause of Christ. I know those aren't fun words. Those aren't exciting words. But the reality is, is that it's all for God's glory. And that's what his word tells us. So I would say, dive in and be ready to embrace the adventure of what comes out of it. Because it's the best. It's so much better than, than health, wealth, prosperity gospel, which is emptiness. And in the end is a lie, and in the end will leave you wanting. The real gospel, the real good news, leads us closer to our eternal Father and Creator. And as He leads us to make His glory known among all nations, among those who have never known Him. What an opportunity we have to be a part of the greatest story, the only story that will be all of history. In the end. And we win. <laughs> so, different gospels distorting the gospels. 
One of the ways, and I'm, I'm sure you've probably heard me say this before because I think it's one of the coolest things in the world. The way, that our, the way that our treasury department finds counterfeit bills, the way they train their agents to find counterfeit bills, is not by looking at all the forgeries and all the known forgeries and all the fake money that's out there. The way that they teach their agents to find fake money is by studying the real thing so well that when a forgery comes up, they spot it instantly. Not because they've studied all the forgeries, but because they know the real thing that well. The way that you and I can sniff out a different gospel, the way that you and I can sniff out those distorting the gospel for selfish gain or for whatever reason. And let me say this. You may say, Will, you're being a little harsh. And I probably am because I take it seriously. But let me say this. There are well-meaning, well-intentioned Muslims, Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, Buddhists, on and on and on. There are well-meaning, well-intentioned people who have a great heart, who are sweet, kind people, loving people. Just because they believe differently than you doesn't mean they have torches and pitchforks ready to come get you. It just means that they're wrong. They're not, it's not that, they, that they're out to get you or that they hate you or, or anything like that. It's simply that they were given wrong information. They grew up in a society and a culture that taught them something that wasn't right. So now we have to overcome. And we can't overcome different gospels. We can't overcome those who are teaching a distorted truth by throwing pitchforks at people. We can't overcome lies and distortions by making snarky comments on Facebook. Your Facebook battles will win no one for Jesus, but they will turn plenty of people away. What it takes is for us to reach out to our Hindu, Buddhist, Muslim, Mormon neighbors and love them and teach them the truth of God's word when we have opportunities and we build relationships to love people through their times of need. We live out the gospel so that they see the gospel in action. They see the truth of God's word lived out in God's people. We say we know the truth. We say we believe the truth. Let's go live the truth. Wholeheartedly, you have the one true gospel. Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That's not opinion. That's the Creator telling you how it is. Now let's us, as 2 Corinthians 5 calls us ambassadors, let's be ambassadors for Christ, represent that good news, love people to Jesus, and love them through whatever their issue is. But there are those who distort the gospel. And I guess the reason, here, let me say this. The reason why I give you that thing about loving people is because it's our natural proclivity to demonize people who are different than us. It's our natural proclivity to see people who are on the other side and to think evil of them, to think bad of them, right? Like, if I was to talk to Sarah Orr and say, hey, you're a Virginia Tech fan, you know, what do you think of UVA fans, right? Like, she's not going to say, I bet you they're nice people. <laughs> she's not going to say, you know, I bet you that's a good school. 
right? She's going to say some pretty harsh things about UVA fans and the school itself. But are they nice people? Maybe. Is it a pretty good school? Yeah. So let me say this. If you come across somebody who says they're a Muslim imam, don't just hate them because they're a Muslim imam. Love them. Love them. Look for opportunities to teach them. You come to somebody who's, who's a Hindu or a, a Buddhist or whatever, whatever the title, just love them. Don't demonize them. They're just wrong. So we just love them with the truth. Amen? All right, I'm going to quit beating that horse. Curses. So it says, verse 8, But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, a curse beyond him, as we have said before, I now say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, a curse be on him. Wow. A curse. We don't hear that very often. A curse be on him. If someone is preaching to you a message contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ, contrary to grace, for it is by grace through faith in Christ that we are saved. If someone is preaching to you a gospel other than that, a curse be upon him. And it doesn't just say it once, it reinforces it, right? So it's like, this is one of those things that if it says it once, that's great, you need to know it. If it says it twice, you better pay attention. If it says it three times, that's like solid, that's not changing. And this isn't going to change either, though it's only twice. A curse be upon him. Take that seriously. Take that seriously. That Jesus and God take this message seriously. If I had a formula, if I had a formula, and I took that formula and I said, this formula, if you make this compound, it will cure cancer. And I gave you this compound. And I said, now I need you to get this compound to the CDC so that they can make bajillions of vaccines to cure cancer, whatever it is. And you changed my formula. In some way, you changed my formula. Now it will no longer cure cancer. A curse be on you. When Jesus Christ gives us the formula to get to heaven, when he gives us the formula for forgiveness, when he gives us the formula for new life and becoming a new person and having that grace and forgiveness, a curse beyond whoever changes that formula. That's what it's all about. It is preserving and protecting the doctrine of grace. It is preserving and protecting the gospel of Jesus Christ. There were a group back in Paul's day called the Gnostics. The Gnostics were known for coming in and they would twist and turn the gospel to make it fit Gnostic theology. They would take lies about Jesus and say, well, he was never really dead. He, he, was a, he didn't rise from the grave. It was a spiritual resurrection. They had all kinds of different lies. And in this one, in this particular book, Paul is battling against the Judaizers. Well-meaning, well-intentioned people who grew up in Judaism who said, Jesus is awesome. Now get circumcised. He said, he's like, that's ridiculous. Jesus is enough. 
Jesus is everything. Jesus is all you need. We have to protect the gospel. We have to protect the good news. If it isn't the gospel, it is a lie. And the last thing, looking at verse 10. For am I now trying to persuade people or God, or am I striving to please people? If I were still striving to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. We've got to realize that this is not a popular message, okay? Now, in here, it's a popular message, right? Because if I talk about Jesus and and how awesome Jesus is and the truth of the gospel and the holy word, I get amens. Occasionally, if we got a Baptocostal, you know, I'll get a hallelujah, you know? Um, And and that's great. And and you guys are starting to catch on that if you say amens and hallelujahs, I preach longer, so you stop. Um, (coughs) But we're among friends. But we have to realize that if we are the light of Christ, if we are the light of Christ and the gospel is shining out in us as we live it out, we have to realize that we are going out into a dark and dying world. And the exclusivity of the gospel, it is an exclusive message. It's not all paths lead to heaven. It's one way. There's one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. And that message is not popular in our society. So realize that when you take this message out, it better be, I mean, it better be coded in grace and mercy and love. But you don't compromise the message, right? You remember, you remember the kid? I wish they kind of, I still kind of wish they had it so my kids could experience it. The Mercuricomb stuff, Right? <laughs> Man, you know, one of your kids, one of your friends says, hey, dude, I dare you to go down the slide backwards, right? So you do, and you do like three back rolls after you hit the bottom, and you skin your knee or whatever. But, you, man, you got some street cred with your homies on the playground. And, and so, like, you're like, I'm not going to cry, but it hurts, you know? And like, it's bleeding, you know? But there's, like, not even a drop. It's just a little blood on the top. But you go over to mom, and she's like, no problem. And she whips out this little bottle with this wand that comes out red, and it looks like a lightsaber for a reason, right? Because when she puts it on that knee, you're like, I mean, before she's even touching you, like, start blowing on it, start blowing on it, start blowing on it now, you know? I wish we'd have had an air compressor, right? So mom put that thing on, you know, right there on my knee. It would have been awesome. Sorry if I just sprayed you. Um, but it was, it was one of those things that it burned, But you knew that it was for your own good. But if mom blew on that knee, if mom blew fresh, cold air on that knee, it would take some of the pain away. Guys, the the gospel of Jesus Christ points out the sin of every individual. The gospel of Jesus Christ is necessary because we are sinners. There is no escaping telling people about Jesus without telling them about sin. We can't get away from that. We can't divorce those two things. But when we do it with love and with grace and with kindness, it's that cold air blowing on that open wound. It's saying, I know this burns, and I know this is not fun, and I know this doesn't feel good, and I know, I know that hearing this, I know it creates fear, it creates all these other things, and, and it creates tension and anxiety to think about hell and death and all of that, and to think about sin, it creates these uneasy, this uneasiness. 
But when we say that, that grace is there, forgiveness is there, second, we serve a God of second chances and love and goodness. And out of that love and goodness, out of the loving kindness that he talks, that's, talk, that's attributed to him over and over and over and over again in the Old Testament, the ultimate act of his loving kindness was sending his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins so that you and I could be forgiven and have eternal life with him in heaven. So this morning, I want to entreat you, there is no other gospel. So this morning, my invitation is twofold. If you've never received Jesus Christ, if you've never experienced that second birth, if you've never experienced the forgiveness and the second chance and the, the love and the grace, then come talk to me and let's, let's join the family of God. Get saved. Let's have that conversation. But then the next thing I would tell you is this. Brother and sister in Christ, if you resonate with that message and you believe wholeheartedly that you hold the gospel of Jesus Christ as sacred and firm in your heart and you know that you believe the truth of Jesus Christ, then I need you to do one thing. I need you to pray. I need you to pray wholeheartedly and fervently for the opportunities to share that good news of Jesus Christ with other people. What good does it do you to keep it to yourself? So this morning, I want to say that the altar is open. Come and pray for your lost friends. Pray for your lost neighbors and family members. Pray for your lost co-workers. Just pray. And then be faithful to go and share. Maybe this morning you need to pray for boldness. Maybe it's discernment. Maybe you just need to pour your heart out to God for the burden on your heart for those that you love that don't know him. So this morning, if you need to get saved, let's talk. Otherwise, brothers and sisters in Christ, do business with your maker. Let's pray.